Hey everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Solving Problems podcast, where we help you use story to reach more people and grow your church. As we get started, I want to set the stage for what you'll be hearing every week on the show. First off, my name is Jonathan Carone, and I'll be your host for everything. I have experience in a large multi-venue church as the creative director and the communications director. For the last three and a half years, I've had my own business as a web and graphic designer, where I spend about 60 to 70% of my work helping churches improve in those areas. One thing you'll hear us reference a lot on this show is StoryBrand. If you're unfamiliar with StoryBrand, it's a marketing framework created by Donald Miller. He took his years as a best-selling author and developed a seven-step framework to help organizations tell a clear and compelling story. Their goal is to help you revolutionize your marketing, connect with people, and grow your organization. The Solving Problems podcast is not endorsed or affiliated with StoryBrand, the Building a StoryBrand podcast, or Don Miller. However, myself and all the guests that we have on here are what is called a StoryBrand certified guide. We've gone through extensive training with the StoryBrand team to learn how to help organizations just like your church implement and use StoryBrand framework to reach more people and to grow your church. Each week, the format will usually be the same. We'll start with an introduction where I tell you the problem we're focusing in on that week and introduce that week's guest. Then we'll have a 20 to 25 minute discussion focused on practical tips you can implement today to start reaching more people. To close up each episode, we'll bring in our co-host Kyler Nixon to do a quick tip of the day. This is where we'll review something we saw in church marketing recently and show you how, with a couple small tweaks, it could have been a lot better and connected with people more. Most episodes will run about 30 to 35 minutes in length. For this week's episode, we're going to talk about the single biggest problem churches have with using the StoryBrand framework. To illustrate it, I want to tell you about my friend Kyle. Kyle is a serial church planter. His current job is with a large church to help them plant more churches. They have a discipleship-making movement that their goal is to plant as many churches as possible to reach as many people as possible. Everything he does is motivated by being a part of that discipleship-making movement. One day while sitting across from Kyle at a Wendy's, he asked me how I balanced being in church marketing and also being a disciple maker. Unfortunately, I didn't have a great answer for Kyle that day. I rambled through something that made a little bit of sense, but probably could have been a lot better. In the months since then, I've thought a lot about that question. How do you balance church marketing with being a church that makes disciples? I think it starts with acknowledging that the two are two completely different entities. And when done right, your marketing actually supports your discipleship making process. To help me dive into this a little bit more today, I've invited my friend Wes Gay to join me. Wes was a part of the first class of StoryBrand Certified Guides and has been one of the gold standards of the entire program. Before that, though, he started his career in full-time ministry and spent about 10 years working in the church. Since becoming a guide, he's written for Forbes, he's given a TED Talk, and led a breakout session at PushPace 2018 Summit. He's worked with everything from high-end real estate firms to a fine art studio to, most importantly for today's conversation, churches like North Point in Atlanta and Southeast Christian in Louisville. So let's go ahead and bring back the dance music, and then we'll bring in Wes. All right, well, Wes Gay is joining us now. Wes, say hey to everybody. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to tackle, we want to start off things with the number one problem that most churches have using story in their marketing, and that's that since we were in Sunday school, we've been taught that Jesus is the hero of everything. 
Everything in the Bible points to Jesus, and he's the hero of the entire story. But when we market use with our church using story, the person we're marketing to and communicating to has to be the hero of that story. Wes, in your experience with this, like how hard has that been for some churches to make that transition? It's hard because we want to be theologically faithful. We want to be committed to the truths of Scripture. But the in for churches, particularly maybe who has a little bit smaller staff who don't have communications folks full time or don't have somebody with a marketing background, making that mental shift is I mean, it's obviously it's a challenge. It's because you think, well, if I if I think that way, then am I going to be seeker sensitive? Am I going to uh, lessen the the impact of the gospel or the power of the gospel in somebody's life? But what we're really trying to say here is this isn't about um, this has nothing to do with how it's how people get saved. And that's maybe a weird way to say it. But the reality is when we're talking about using story, what we're saying is we want to use storytelling, a storytelling framework or elements of storytelling in order to communicate more clearly. In order to do that, we need to tell people what's in it for them. We need to let them know why they should get involved in today's world, man. I mean, Jonathan, you and I've talked about it. Like with, you've got your, your, Maybe you're running a business or you have a job, you've got kids, family stuff. I mean, life is just nuts all the time. And we only seem to be getting busier as a culture. And so people need to know what what getting involved looks like for them and why it should matter. Why should I give up a Saturday morning for a couple hours to go to a men's event? Why should we give up a Tuesday night to go to some kids thing? Why should we give to the Christmas campaign? Why should we uh, come earlier than normal on Easter Sunday? Like just just tell me so that I know what it is. And the reality is people are seeking things. All of us, it doesn't matter if you've been with, if you, if you're seven or 70, we're all seeking help in life in some way. And so when we position our message or our church events, our ministries or whatever it is as, as a path or a way for people to get the help or to get what they're looking for, then I think they're more likely to take action. And again, this has nothing to do with some kind of, a shallow theological statement, quite the opposite. The reality is when we're clearer and we tell people why it matters to them, then I think they're more likely to engage and actually walk closer and take steps closer to Jesus. I mean, you look at how Jesus spoke to individuals in the New Testament and the Gospels. You know, John 3, for example, has the most famous passage, I think, in all of the Bible in John three sixteen, when Je- Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, right, a Pharisee. The very next chapter, John 4, we see Jesus talking to the woman at the well who could not have been any more different than the than Nicodemus the Pharisee. But what did he do? In both instances, he talked to what mattered uh, to them personally, what was most relevant to their story and in their world. And in both instances, they got what ultimately they didn't realize it, but they got what they were looking for. And they got something that led to uh, that led to really transformation and change. And people know they have problems. Mm-hmm. Like, Sitting here, I know all the problems I have in my life, and I've been in church my entire life, so I know that I need Jesus for those problems, but to an unbelieving world, to people who maybe don't believe the Bible or skeptical of the Bible, they don't know they need Jesus yet. Mm -hmm. So when we make Jesus or our church the hero of the stories we tell people, they automatically disconnect because it's like, oh, that, that doesn't pertain to me. I can go read something else or I can go somewhere else, and they're actually going to help me with my problems and mm-hmm. we can't make disciples of people until they listen to us. Sure. Otherwise we're just speaking into the wind or speaking to the choir and hoping that 
someone might listen. Yeah. And there, and I think too, we have set years ago, and this is not a new phenomenon. I think we're, a lot of churches are, have just in the last year or two started figuring this out. But years ago, we had a shift where we went from kind of this, our, our, our quote unquote church marketing was based on expectations and assumptions. We just assume that members were going to come to stuff. We just expect if somebody is, if somebody, you know, it's kind of the old saying that if you love Jesus, then you'll sign up for preschool or sign up. You kind of a guilt driven <laughs> approach where if you love Jesus, then you'll do X, Y, Z. And so we just make these assumptions that in our marketing and in our promotions and our communications, and ultimately it is we're looking to help people take next steps toward Christ, no matter how old they are, how long they've been following Jesus, that they they will just naturally do things without ever telling them why, right? I mean, several years ago, I worked at a church here in Atlanta area, and um, we had a men's event, and I had to go because I was on staff, and I think I had to run sound or something, but you know, the, the marketing pitch for that was, Hey men, we're having a breakfast. It's eight 30 on Saturday. We're having Chick-fil-A biscuits and we're having a, an executive from Chick-fil-A coming to speak. You should come, which is the lamest invite ever, <laughs> you know, and to let's, let's put it in context for a second. So we were in a suburb of Atlanta. And if you're not familiar with kind of the, the, everybody in the South knows Atlanta for the airport and the traffic. And that's it. And pretty mediocre. Uh, professionals. Chick-fil-A and pretty mediocre playoff performance by professional sports teams, but that's another story. Choked over. Um, and yeah, man. And so anyways, so they, uh, you think about, I think it might've even been in the fall. So you're thinking it's a fall in, in Atlanta already in Atlanta, we were in a suburb. So the suburbs of Atlanta, almost everybody who lives there works inside what's called the perimeter. So more in Atlanta. I know people who drive an hour, two hours, sometimes two and a half, three hours total a day in a commute. So they're leaving their house at 6 a.m., getting home at 6 p.m. That's just disgusting. To, just with the traffic. It's bananas. But that's kind of the reality of it because you think about price per square foot and the schools. People want to live in, in some of these suburb towns, great cities out here. So we were in one of those towns. And what happens is people are gone 50 or 60 hours a week during the week, just the nature of the pace and where they live and their jobs and everything. And so already – you're we're we're people our churches don't consider you know that for example was a reality we faced second thing is uh, it was a fall saturday which means one of two things people are either going to be doing some yard work raking leaves cleaning up stuff around the house or there's there's football games I and mean, we're unfortunately near the university of georgia so um and i say unfortunately because i'm a florida gator fan we're unfortunately near georgia everybody's a big georgia fan so we're asking people already when they saturday is the only full day they have to themselves because we also then expect them to come on sundays asking these men to give up legitimately probably three to four hours of their saturday by the time they leave the house get to the church have the event this event went three and a half hours it was way too long whoa but yeah i mean it was lunchtime by the time we got done with a breakfast event so it's like we're, we're thinking about all this stuff and looking back now i would have said i would have said you know what we need to tell people what 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 should what are we doing that makes them want to come the guy who spoke was incredible i mean he used an illustration that day four years ago now, three or four years ago, that I still reference from time to time. I still think about it. I still apply it to my own life. I still share it with people because it was so good. But we had no idea what he was going to talk about. We never said why it was going to matter to men in our church. We never said why they should invite friends of theirs, other men, because all we said was, hey, men, we're having an event on Saturday. Here's, you know, it's 10 bucks. We're having biscuits and this guy's coming to speak, which doesn't matter to people. People want to know what's basically what's in it for me or why should I care? If we let people know why they should care, then they are more likely to care. We cannot assume they're going to know it unless we tell them because we're in a busy, crowded, noisy world and everybody is just 
you know, just tell people, stop being coy, stop being cute and stop, stop trying to be clever. Just say, Hey man, here's what we're going to do. Here's what they're going to speak on. Here's why it's going to help you. And people will engage. Because in today's world, 2018 and beyond, if you look at Chick-fil-A biscuits and hearing from a leadership guy, I can turn on that guy's podcast on my way to Chick-fil-A to get the biscuits and then be back home with my kids in 20 minutes. And, exactly. and, and then I can get a donut on the way to Chick-fil-A too, Yeah, which is and, always a good thing. And so <laughs> there's no reason for me to stop. And now mm-hmm. I'm thinking about getting a donut for lunch. Um, donuts but, for lunch are not a bad thing. Just saying. Hey, I mean, I live a mile from Dunkin' Donuts. So um, anyways, but in today's world, people are already thinking, well, man, I don't want to invest the time it takes to get dressed, to go over there, take time away from my family. I'll just listen to the podcast later. Sure. Or I'll and, check in on it. And, and with people with, like you said, great point, people with families, why should I care when, like, I've got two little kids. So why am I going to give up a Saturday morning with them? Why am I going to make a, have a Saturday morning where I've been working all week and it's my wife and the kids are at home? Like, why? It's got to be really good. And I will do something if it's worthwhile. Most of the time, though, even if it is worthwhile, we just don't tell people. <laughs> We're not being clear and just saying, hey, there's a problem in your life. Or there's a problem you have. This will help you with that. And we're going to talk to Drew Powell from Crosspoint Church later in the season about this specifically. So we're doing a full episode on how to promote your events. But until you tell me what benefit I'm going to get from it, I'm going to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, well, is it worth it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, my favorite is you give it a cutesy name, right? Like I worked that same church where we had the men's event. I was trying to prove a point over the one summer. And so in our executive staff meeting, we had every week, one week I came with a list and I said, can I have 10 minutes? And I said, we're going to play a little game. And I, <laughs> if you work in a church, this is a really fun game because it's super awkward. Um, <laughs> as you get, you get, you go, if you've got PDFs or come some kind of files of old bulletins, go through those of the last three years and just pick random event names, just, and just write them down and then say, all right, I'm going to call it this event name. You tell me what it was. And it was like, my favorite one was bird song. B-I-R-D song. And it's like, I said that and I had 10 people around the room and everybody just looked at me like I was speaking Greek. New song addresses Big Bird. Yeah. And they said, they said, I said, somebody said that has to be a women's event. I said, well, yeah, because the name is ridiculous enough. That sounds like a women's event. I said, but what was it? They're like, I don't know, something to do with music. I said, nope. I said it was a motivational speaker talking about um, women and purity for a women's spring brunch. And I said, I said, people in this room were there and y'all don't even remember it. <laughs> like clearly our church members and our regular attenders aren't going to care because we, we called something birdsong, put doilies on the table and said, hey, y'all come. And we have no idea what this is and no idea what this means and no idea why people should give up time on their Saturday, pay money and come to this thing. So, yeah, we sit in offices throughout the week and try to figure out ways that we can promote our event or reach people in new ways, but we never actually sit there and think, hey, what are we doing that helps solve their problems? What problems mm-hmm. are we actually trying to solve with what we're doing, or are we just trying to be busy? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't like, I don't want to dog the church, but a lot of what we do is because we feel like we're supposed to do it. Sure. And we don't actually take the time to say, okay, Jesus spoke to people's problems, and everything he did was about speaking into or reaching 
people on a human level mm-hmm. and speaking to their problems so that he could then turn them to the Father. Yep. And if that's what he did, then that's what we need to do because as people know that we, as they figure out that we know they have problems and that we care about them, mm-hmm. then they start listening to us. And sure. even if they don't know they need Jesus to solve their problems, that's our chance to actually speak into their life and show them how they need Jesus and begin that disciple-making process that so many churches want to do but can't figure out, hey, what's missing? And what's mm-hmm. missing is we're making ourselves or Jesus the hero of our marketing instead of speaking sure. directly to people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And marketing exactly. is not discipleship, but mm-hmm. it's the feeder of the disciple-making movement. And you're going to hear me say that over and over this season, that marketing is not discipleship. Your marketing plan mm-hmm. and your discipleship plan cannot be the same thing. But if you have sure. a marketing plan or a communications plan that speaks to people's problems, that becomes a feeder for your discipleship plan. Right. Exactly. Well, and two, I mean, marketing at the end of the day is really about helping people move forward with some kind of a next step. It's just about um, when a company looks at a marketing, goes to build a marketing plan, uh, they want to think about a good marketing plan always thinks about the next step. So what's the first step somebody needs to take to engage with marketing? Then what do they do next? And then what happens? And then what happens? And they keep asking that. And then what happens thing? And it honestly is a never, a good company knows that's a never ending process. It's always about, okay, we get somebody to say, click on a Facebook ad and then what? And then what should they do? And then what do we want them to do? And how do we get them there? And it's constantly helping people take next steps by showing a path forward. In, in, in discipleship, it ultimately is really the same thing. It's about how do we help people take next steps? Now, too often, I think in churches, one of the problems we have is that we we think we're not being helpful or we think we're, again, there's some maybe some kind of a theological mindset or some kind of a, um, uh, a misconception where it says we want to help people take giant leaps forward. Right. It's like we want to shoot them. We want to we want to make them like human cannonballs and put them in a cannon and shoot them across the Grand Canyon with everything. It's like, well, that's rarely going to happen. Instead, let's think about how do we get people to take next steps? But like you said, Jonathan, solve addressing problems. So the senior pastor that I work for, um, he had a saying that he would say all the time was it's all about just saying yes to the next little thing, Mm -hmm. because most of us are too scared to do the giant thing to, sure. to jump over the Grand Canyon. But if we can get people to say the tiny yes, the tiny yes, the tiny yes, the tiny yes, then over the span of a year, of five years, of 10 years, they turn around and look back and they're at the Pacific Ocean now. They've already jumped over mm-hmm. the Grand Canyon and gone through the rest of the western half of the country. And they look back and can't even see where they started. Sure, But it was all through a, a bunch of small steps because we showed them what their problem was and how they could overcome that problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Wes, we've been talking, like we've talked about the idea of putting people as the hero. We've got, given a couple examples, but what does it look like to make the church goer the hero of the story? How do we do that? Where's that start? Uh, that's a great point. I don't think there's, um, I don't think there's a single like, a single one size fits all starting point. I think it's better to just pick a starting point too often. I mean, 
a little perspective. Churches, man, churches are the most, do more events and have to do more marketing promotions and campaigns than any other organization on the planet. Because not only do you have 52 things a year already you're trying to promote in just your weekend services, and then you have small groups, and then you have kid stuff, and then you need volunteers, and then you need a band. I mean, it's just with your weekend planning or your weekend services, you have hundreds of things you're trying to communicate on top of the events and on top of everything else midweek and you know trips or whatever. So I so it's easy to get overwhelming because you may think, oh my gosh, we have to implement this everywhere all the time. I would say start somewhere and it doesn't really matter where, just pick something. And I would even say pick something that's easy, that doesn't require a lot of, you know, a lot of having to rethink things or rebuilding things. Instead, pick something that you think is going to have, bring some value that's still going to address problems. And like you're saying, Wes, like it feels super overwhelming to think, oh man, we need to change everything we do. And I'm the only person that's doing this. And I have a thousand other things to do this week. So start with whatever is next. It can be mm-hmm. a website or like we're releasing this in October. So maybe you're having a Halloween event or whatever your church calls it, trunk or treat or whatever it might be. Start by thinking in your promotions for that over the next two or three weeks. What problem is that going to solve for people? How are, like, is it just giving them candy or is it you a safe place to go trick or treating or whatever it might be and start speaking to those things. One, one shift you can start making as you begin to plan out over Christmas and Thanksgiving and over the next few months is start thinking about what people's problems are. That sounds Mm -hmm. super basic, but we think about our event and we need to get people here. And we think about the event problems. We need people to sign up. We need to know who's coming and we need to get people in the seats. And that's how we normally do our promotions. But if you can just start thinking over the next few weeks, what problem do people have that this event is going to solve? How can we speak into that? And a lot of times I don't even think that's on our radar. Mm -mm. This is something your senior pastor hopefully already does really well by thinking about and preparing for the sermon. Who's going to be in the room? Uh, what are they going through? What's kind of going on in your community and in your city and in your county and your state or whatever? You know, like a uh, somebody, a, a pastor at the church down the street from us, he's not going to preach like he's preaching to a group of people in Dallas, Texas, or New York City because we're in Atlanta, Georgia. Hopefully, he's thinking. He's already thinking about who's going to be in the room. Kind of what's what can I speak to the people here? I'm not trying to speak to people in Seattle. I'm trying to speak to people in Atlanta. So you're already doing that in terms of preaching. It's just thinking about how how do you figure out to translate that into who you're speaking to in in your community. Um, but think little things like that. Thinking about who are you actually talking to, and then talk to them. Don't try to talk to everybody. Talk to somebody, and you'll actually pull more people in that way. Yeah, and that's like. I want to, that's not the topic for today, but I want to dive in there, Wes, because you're such a great writer that that's a thing that we don't think about in that when we focus in on a group of people, we actually reach more. So can you like in about a minute, explain that concept to people? Yeah. So the best way I can do is illustrate it with a story of one of the best-selling books of the last 10 years. So a guy named Tim Ferriss wrote a book in 2007 called The 4-Hour Workweek, and it was one of the biggest business books of the year. It's consistently been a bestseller. I think it sold over a million and a half copies in the decade since it's been out. And in a, in a podcast interview in the 
on the 10 year anniversary of the book, he says the first draft was total garbage. Like he hated it. It was awful. And he really, if you haven't read it, it's a great read, but he kind of tells his story of building and scaling a really interesting business. And he, um, he says that he rewrote the book by focusing on two specific friends of his guys. He knew really well. He was close with that. were both having struggles. One was having some challenges in the business he ran. The other one was having some challenges. So some personal stuff with his kind of family life. And so he said, if I can write a book, a resource guide that helps them, and it's like if it's literally a handbook on how to do this and it makes their life better, then this is fine. He wrote it for two people, but it sold a million and a half copies, and it is every year consistently. If it's not the top, then it's one of the top highlighted books on Amazon every year because he wrote it specifically to different people. The crazy thing is when you're more specific in your communication, you're actually going to reach a broader audience because – you're using language that's going to draw more people in, and especially in today's world where we we kind of are able to fall into groups and and fall in and find other people like us in communities. Like you could create a product or a service or a company that could pretty easily attract five or ten thousand people online because of using messaging that's going to reach those people. When we do that in the church, when we get more specific, I think we actually have a broader reach because it's going to draw people in based on what's most interesting to them. And again, that gets back to focusing on the problems your audience is facing. Tim Ferriss wrote mm-hmm. it to, about the problems that his two friends were facing. He didn't make himself the, the hero of the story. In our case, he didn't make Jesus the hero of the story because he knew his two friends had a specific problem that he could help with. And in our case, in our context with church, if we can start talking about how we can bring hope and life to those problems and help solve them, then we point people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think we we skip that first step too often. And that's where our disconnect comes. We try to go from the first date to engagement in one week. Mm-hmm. And we skip the entire dating process where people can get to know us and see what we're about so that we can show them some empathy, so that we can show them we know what we're talking about, so that we can show them we're not frauds. But we try to say, hey, here's Jesus. You need him. Mm-hmm. Well, do I? No, I don't. I'm good. I I got this on my own. But I do have this other problem. Can you help with that? And then when, if we can help with that problem, it points them to Jesus. And I know I keep repeating the same thing, but it's because we are so close as the church to making the impact that we've always wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And I really strongly believe if we can just make this one shift— to where our marketing starts talking to people's problems instead of positioning ourselves as the hero, our church as the hero, or Jesus as the hero, I really think, and it's the whole reason we started this thing, that if we can get this right, we can reshape everything for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And you, ju- I think you just said it too. I mean, the end of the day, by talking about people's problems, we actually show that the solution to their problems every single time is Jesus. It's the scriptures, it's, it's the, the the life and work and the everything about Christ. And so if we position, if we talk about people's problems, it makes it easier to set up what the solution actually is so people are more ready to receive. Right. My friend Jeff is a pastor uh, in Wisconsin, and we're, we're going to talk about his church a little bit more because he's a lead pastor of a church that is 100% bought into StoryBrand and the framework. They use it on their website. They're starting to implement it within their entire staff culture. So I'm really excited to watch where they go over the next couple of years with this. But he uses the framework 
in his preaching every Sunday. Hmm. And so I was talking to him about it and he said in his preaching, he kind of, a lot of us in teaching, we use the me, we, God, you, we model um, or something similar to that. And, but what Jeff does, he starts with what does the person want Mm -hmm. or what do they think they want? Well, here's the problem with that and why you're not getting it. You weren't made for that or whatever it might be. Jesus shows us a way and he points Mm -hmm. to scripture. So he's already showed them what they wanted and why they're not getting it. So they're Mm -hmm. listening. He's showing that he understands them. So Jesus shows us a way in scripture and we have a choice. We -hmm. can either choose Jesus in the best way and get what we want, or we can deny that and not get what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then imagine what that could look like. Imagine yep. if we followed Jesus's plan and did what he said. So you have a choice. Do this today and get this or don't. Hmm. And that right there shows compassion to people, shows understanding to people, and it leads them into that discipleship process. So by focusing on the people first and positioning Jesus as a guide to get what they want, ultimately, if you read the book, if you read Building a Story Ran by Don Miller or go to the workshops, you learn or study story in general, you learn the guide is the real hero. Mm -hmm. The guide is the real strong person of the story. And the hero in most stories is the weakest person in the story. So we have to put the person that we're talking to as the hero, so we can let Jesus take them to what they want. Wes, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I was glad to be here. Wes is going to be back with us in a few weeks. We're going to talk about how you can earn the benefit of the doubt with people in a world that really doesn't trust church or trust evangelicals, especially how we can earn the benefit of the doubt before we even meet people. So Wes will be back uh, for week five of the season. So we've got Kyler in with us now. Kyler, go ahead and say hey to everybody again. Hey, guys. Excited to be here again. Uh, so the end of the episodes each week, we're going to take a couple minutes and look at something we've come across over the past few weeks uh, online or that we've seen in some of the Facebook groups and talk about how a seemingly normal thing could have been done a little bit better. And again, our goal with this is not to belittle or make fun of a church. It's really just to help show you some examples of what could be done better. So this week I came across a church website and first of all, they had a slider as the first thing they see. And, um, just I hate no sliders. sliders. <laughs> just, just no. if right now, if you take anything from this episode, just go to your website and delete your slider and you'll be better than you were before you listened to the episode. So there you go. Go to <laughs> should I use a carousel.com. And that will tell you exactly why you should not use a slider on the top of your website. But anyways, one of the slides that they had in that slide was a push for volunteers. Um, This church has been growing, and so they need volunteers uh, to help with their growth. And the slide said, join our team. Volunteers are needed in every area. And then they had the contact information with how you could get in touch with them. So join our team. Volunteers are needed in every area. And as we've talked about today with Wes, the thing we're trying to do in our messaging is to make our 
people in our church, our guests, or whoever we're talking to be the center of the story and not our church. And uh, so in this one, join our team puts the church as the hero of the story. Kyler, why mm-hmm. is that a bad thing? Well, first of all, it it does. It puts them as the hero. It puts the church as the hero because it's saying we have this problem that we need volunteers in all of these different areas. And so we need you to help us, you know, solve that problem. Well, when people see that, everyone has this mindset that they are the hero of their own story. So if I'm going on this website and I view this and it says, join our team, volunteers needed everywhere, Well, I'm seeing that and I'm saying, okay, great, you're a hero and I'm happy for you, but I need to go find something that can help uh, me advance my story. So I think that's the biggest problem is it's just showing um, too much hero language, like saying, here's a problem that we have and we need you to help us solve it rather than saying, hey, here's a problem that we know you have. And by serving with us, we can help you solve that problem. And so a better way to do this, and we're just throwing stuff out there. So this would need to be wordsmithed and cleaned up, but a headline could speak to the idea of how we want to be a church that serves people well, or we (laughs) want to be, we want to make our, our guests comfortable, or we want to make people know that we were ready for them as they got here. So if you were to change that language up from join our team to something along the lines of you could even yeah even say serve, serve people well um welcome your neighbors or, or something like that like you know serve at your church name i think you could also speak to the problems that people have like if i'm if i'm volunteering it's because i want to be a part of something that's greater than myself or i want to um be a part of a community so you might say um you know find a place to belong um you know tons of volunteer opportunities for you or, or something along along those lines, speaking to the problems that I, uh, as the visitor, the church member uh, have. I think the other big thing that's important to remember too is like that is not a, a drastic change. Like that you're saying the same thing, but what you're doing is you're speaking to people in a way that resonates better with them. So instead of saying join our team, we're saying, hey, we wanna help you with your problem uh, that that you're facing. So all of these things that even that we're talking about um, throughout this season, those types of language changes aren't big, massive adjustments for the most part. It's just tweaking the language and just shifting it from focus on you to focus on them. That's it for episode one of the Solving Problems podcast. If you have any questions for us, you can reach out on Twitter. My name is at Jonathan underscore Carone. You spell that car one, C-A-R-O-N-E. So at Jonathan underscore Carone. Kyler is at Kyler underscore Nixon. You can check out our website at solvingproblemspodcast.com. If you have any questions, you can reach out on there. Make sure you subscribe to us. We are on Spotify and Google Play. Hopefully by the time this goes live, we will be on Apple But if not, we're just waiting on them to approve us, and then we'll be on Apple. But subscribe, rate, review, tell everybody you know about us. We would love to hear from you. So if you go to SolvingProblemsPodcast.com, click the questions tab, you can give us some feedback there, or like we mentioned, reaching out on Twitter. We'll be back next Wednesday with Drew Powell from Crosspoint Church, and we'll be talking about how to plan and execute a Christmas service that new people want to come to and then how to get them back in January. But that's it for now. We hope you have a great week. 